to Feminist Coffee Hour. You can find us online at feministcoffeehour.com, on Twitter at femcoffeepod, or you can send us an email to feministcoffeehour at gmail.com. I'm Elizabeth, and Karen is taking the month off to get caught up on some work, and we'll be back soon. I'm here today with our guest. We're welcoming back to the podcast, Kelly Freeman of NARAL Pro-Choice Ohio. Welcome, Kelly. Hello. Thank you. Thank you for having me back. Kelly's on Twitter at Ramen Needles, and she has a yarn dyeing business that is super cool, and you should check it out. Well, I guess first I wanted to say Happy New Year, because this is our first episode of 2021. We're recording it about two weeks into the new year, but it feels like it's been, what, two, three months since New Year's, Kelly? Uh, it definitely feels like it's been a long time, and I... Like, next week, the tw- like I've been like looking at like the 21st for a couple of... I don't know how long I've been looking at it, but I just like, it feels forever away. And also like, it is next Thursday. <laughs> it seems like the closer we get to Joe Biden's inauguration, the farther away it is. Oh, yep. That's definitely <laughs> what it is. <laughs> I, I remember when, you know, they called the election and I just said to my mom, like, we just have to get to January 20th. And it seemed like a hop, skip and a jump away, but it seems farther away now than it did <laughs> It does. It really, really does. So like I said, we're recording on January 14th. And if anything happens between now and when this is released, it says it probably will. Uh, That's why we're not commenting on it. Right. The thing we want to talk about is a little bit more, it's it's topical, but it's not not as specific as as the attempted coup that happened last week. But uh, we're going to talk about, Kelly and I both have children, both have small boys, We want to talk about parenting during a pandemic, during an anti-racist uprising, and now during a fascist insurrection. What that's been like, what that's been like with little kids, and how we're talking to them about it. About this time last year, uh, we had on Darcy Lockman, who wrote All the Rage, who talked a little bit more about like gender and parenting and distribution of work. And there's been a lot said about that, I think. But this I want to go a little bit more personal, which is you know, how do you comfort children during this time? What resources are we using? What do you say? And and so on. So I, I don't know, Kelly, if you want to tackle it head on or take one topic at a time. Uh, I mean, I can say a few things off the cuff. I mean, I think perhaps you and I are lucky because mm-hmm. our, our boys are not quite school age yet. They're not in elementary school and daycares have had a, a much easier time adjusting to a pandemic than I think elementary schools and older children have. I definitely trust my daycare to handle communicable diseases <laughs> because there's a lot of those with tiny humans. And actually his daycare, it was closed for about a month or two, but it opened back up in June or May and they only shut down once for like a weekend and haven't had any issues. So so far, so good. Uh, I say knocking on wood. <laughs> yeah, my situation is a little bit different. My son was in like a 3K nursery school program and that was shut down last March and it was closed through July. And then there was like a day camp run out of the same like community center. And now he goes to preschool there. So, but yeah, no, I trust them. They were open during the pandemic for, you know, children of essential workers. And I think that you know, they had a handle on it. Uh, it's been very strange and confusing times in New York City because there are kids that go to private school who haven't had any interruption in their learning. And there are kids who are out of the classroom for months. And it's seemed to be very unequal. It also seems to be kind of random. 
because yeah. it's not necessarily on uh, socioeconomic lines, but it often is. So here in Ohio, the governor announced that teachers would be getting the vaccine, but in order to get the vaccine, they had to agree to be back in the in the classroom full time March first, which really doesn't give you enough time to actually get both doses of the vaccine and be vaccinated or like be you know have your immune response ready for that and also you know just coercion <laughs> yeah that seems really tricky too and i am very uncomfortable with the idea uh that the way a lot of this was framed and i think a lot of the way that this was set up was to pit parents against teachers who are normally natural allies i don't like it and i've you know tried to resist that uh, as much as i can that framing but that's still there and i don't think that's a good way to talk about school policy but do you talk to your child about the pandemic about coronavirus or do you explain why we wear masks or anything like that yeah i mean i didn't go into like the full details of what COVID is and how people die from it and all that stuff but i did say that like we're not able to do that because there are germs that make people sick and it's very difficult to like it, it, basically anytime we say we can't go somewhere he's like because of the germs and we're like yeah buddy because of the germs and that's been pretty straightforward i mean he's he's started off two and a half is now getting close to three and a half and so that's a pretty decent understanding we had to find a few different masks to figure out which one he actually liked wearing um but he's definitely been better than uh, a lot of adults when it comes to wearing a mask yes Yes, 100%. I mean, I'm surprised. I read about these high schools in other states that can't get uh, people to wear masks and the parents are protesting and you're not going to make my kid wear a mask. And all of the 3Ks and pre three and four-year-olds at my son's school wear masks all day and they don't have an issue. So I'm not sure why it's an issue for other people. It's, it's uh been it's been hard but you know it's a trade-off like if we go to the playground we'll say you can go to the playground if you wear a mask and he's he's happy for that so but that totally varies by neighborhood like in queens there seems to be much higher compliance when we've been out on long island or other places people seem a little bit more wary about it so i guess your mileage mileage may vary with that yeah and i mean when we go to playgrounds and parks there's usually only like one other person there so mm -hmm. that's good because yeah. it's really cold right now. Yeah, that's true. I I, uh, I heard that that saying a long time ago about how they say in Scandinavia, there's no bad weather, only bad clothing. I'm trying to keep repeating that to myself as we move through the winter. Uh, that's fair. That's probably a good, good attitude to go about it. Otherwise, you're just going to drive yourself nuts this winter. The face masks keep you really warm, too. So that helps. I'm not opposed to them in the winter. I mean, I'm not opposed to them in general, but like. They're much more comfy in the winter. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> than they were walking him to day camp. I'll tell you that. Yep. In the you know humidity of New York in August. Yeah, yeah. You know you do what you have to do. Uh, same thing. You know I, I I told my son you know there's germs and you have to you know wear a mask till the germs go away. And um, you know he's heard us talking about the vaccine and we explained that it's a shot. You know it's not approved for kids yet, but hopefully it will be. And we just said it's like the other shots you get at the doctor. And, you know, he had some questions. I thought it was really interesting because right before COVID hit, there was an outbreak of RSV in New York. And so, you know, I tell people, a lot of people thought like, I got really sick in December. I think I might have had COVID. And I just say get antibodies because we got RSV and it can appear similar to COVID. It's a flu-like illness, you know. 
And he remembers getting sick and that we got really sick and that his grandparents got really sick because they all babysat him the weekend before he came down with it. And like, it was, it was really bad. You know, my dad had like got a secondary infection and he needed two rounds of antibiotics to clear up an infection that he got. So, you know, it's not as bad as COVID, but, but RSV is pretty serious. And he was like, are they going to get shots for all the germs like RSV? And I was like, wow, what a question, you know? And I feel like kids, they're listening and they're always absorbing what you say. So not just be careful, but I think you can, if they have a question, you know, I'm, I'm of the school of thought that if a, a child has a question, you should answer it in an age appropriate way. You don't have to go into all, all the gory details, of course, but they want to know something. That's why they ask. Yeah. And I think he's right at that age where he's really starting to really understand things. I mean, we have seen pretty much every episode of Ask the Story Bots at least for 30 times. And there's just talk one- about that show a little bit more for people who don't know. Oh my about gosh. It. Ask the Story Bots is so great. It's the concept is that there are these little tiny robots that live inside your computer and they are there to answer questions that you might have. And when there are questions that are too hard for them to answer they will go out into the world and find the answer for you there's three seasons of it it's on netflix i think it was an app before it was a tv show i'm not i don't have the app but they answer questions like where does chocolate come from and where what happens when you flush the toilet and i mean it's i've learned a lot from it and my my son will understand much more complex topics than i did at his age like how do cell phones work and where does what like what is electricity um things i don't really understand very well as an adult <laughs> But there's two episodes in particular that have been really topical and will be good for him to have as part of his makeup as he grows and grows up. But it's uh, how do you catch a cold, which is a basic understanding of how viruses work, like including the the immune system and different white blood cells. And then why do people look different Uh, and breaks down what DNA is and how DNA works and why your friends look different than you. Um, and he came home from daycare the other day, just drawing viruses. And it was actually really interesting because they looked like, I, like, oh, yes, I recognize this. This is, this is a virus. And it's just kind of neat to have him grow up with media that has a much more in-depth understanding of things that I, than I did at the time. So he understands how germ, what germs are and how they work and how to avoid getting them. And he knows why people don't look like him. So... Yeah, we had like what reading Rainbow and three two one contact, and they were they were okay, but it, it's not it's not as many options when we were kids as there are now. So that's pretty cool. No, I showed him Storybots once a couple of years ago, and he didn't like it. I want to go back though for that that germs one. I think that would be interesting, and also practice drawing viruses. That's a good fine motor exercise. I mean, I get that you watched a lot of Storybots recently, but okay. I I just kind of wonder if he's connecting the dots between like viruses and we can't do that because of the germs. Mm -hmm. The other thing is like, you kind of like led the way with that one about the story bots about why do people look different from me? We talked about this a little bit before we recorded, but I was just saying that kids do notice that people look different. Kids do notice that people of different races look different. I guess I'll say people on this podcast who haven't met Kelly and I are both white. So hello. Yeah. (laughs) White adjacent, like I'm, yes, I am Latina, but I pass like most people. I am very white white. person, yeah. (laughs) So, you know, and and having this conversation, I think to me, you know, a lot of people are like, why why do you have to talk about that? You know, because kids notice, you know, my kids notice that people look different from them. And sometimes they say things that are not great. But the thing is, if you talk to them before that, happens then they'll have like a better understanding that some people look different people come in different colors like 
people have hair that looks different. It's, it's a normal thing. And PBS Kids put out a special for kids ages, I think they said like three to eight, something like that. PBS Kids talk about race and racism. It came out in October. And at first I was like, oh boy. And then I thought, you know what, I, let's, let's do it. Let's, let's jump in. And I thought it was a really good resource uh, for parents who didn't know where to start because it started at like a really basic level. Like they used a clip from Daniel Tiger about how different people look different, but we're all the same on the inside. And it was really interesting. And, you know, my son had a bunch of questions afterwards. And I think it's a good way if you have no idea what to, where to start. I think that that special is really good and it's on YouTube for free. I will have to check that one out. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That that was really good. And then the other uh, PBS Kids show that I've really been loving is one called Xavier Riddle and the Secret Museum. And every episode, it's about these three kids and two of them are brother and sister and they live in a museum. And the museum, because their parents are the curators, and the museum has like a secret time machine, I don't know, in the back or in the basement or something like that. That's awesome. <laughs> so it starts with the kids having a problem and then they go to the secret museum and they travel in time, meet someone from history when that person was a child. And they learn something from the historical figure as a child that helps them solve the problem now. But the thing that they learn has to do with like a skill or a quality that that person had, like perseverance or telling the truth or never give up or whatever. And then at the end, they tell the rest of the story, like what happened to that person when they grew up. And they always have like one man and one woman on every episode. So it's like total gender parody and they have an array of, of people and it's not necessarily, I mean, there's, there's, you know, historical figures that you would imagine that there would be like, you know, say George Washington and Susan B. Anthony, but there's also like Zora Neale Hurston and they did one on Charlie Chaplin and, and Jim Henson. Yes. Uh, there's a Jim Henson one. I haven't seen that one yet, but yeah. I yeah. yeah. And I, I ordered oh, the ordered. books. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're based on the ordinary people change the world books, which are also extremely good uh, that I would recommend. So I ordered five of them today because after your suggestion, because I they sound like a fun thing to do. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I would totally recommend the books. But, you know, if you're strapped for cash right now, PBS Kids is free. So, <laughs> you know, either way, <laughs> I don't, I'm, I'm buying totally. It's not hoarding if it's books. So but. <laughs> I've seen I've seen Arthur like play with that game on the app, the PBS Kids app, which is a great time sucking resource if anybody needs that, because there's just infinite amount of games on the PBS Kids app. So now I know what that what that is, and uh, and now the, I will have to check out that show. That yeah, sounds- there's a video app also. There's a games app and there's a video app, and there might be more. That's been pretty cool, and just. You know, I've just been amazed. Like, you know, they, they have one about, they had the whole episode about why hasn't there been a woman president yet? Yeah, good the, question. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? The 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 little girl, Yadina, wants to be president. And then she's like, secret museum, take me to the women, one of the women presidents. And it's like, nope, can't, can't do it. And And then it turns into how do you do something that's never been done before? And she goes back in time and meets lots of people, especially women who have done something that no one's done before. And it was really like, hit me right, right in my heart, like, oh my God. And they did another one about Harriet Tubman and it, you know, it said she was a slave and she escaped from slavery and she helped other people escape. And it was really dramatic. It wasn't too much for little kids, but it was, it was more than, than I think what kids shows used to show about, about history. It didn't 
in an age appropriate way did not pull punches. And I was um, I'm really glad that that exists. I'm also going to link in the show notes. There are two links that I've been looking at. There's one called The Conscious Kid and one called, uh, it's called Children's Books by Black Authors and one called uh, The New York Times did an article, 14 Anti-Racist Books for Kids and Teens Recommended by Authors of Color. So I thought that was uh, interesting and I'll link that in the show notes. And now I'll actually, just programming note, I'll try to actually put it in the show show notes rather than just on the blog. So um, there's like tons of books and stuff that, uh, that are out there, but do you have any particular books about diversity that you like for kids, Kelly? I ordered a copy of Not Your Fault last year. He's a little young for it and it's really long, but I'm really excited for him to be old enough to read that one because it's a, it's a good like middle, like a good school age book about racism. This author has written quite a few books. Oh, it's sorry. It's called Not My Idea, a book about whiteness. And it's by an author who has written a couple of interesting books. One is called Death is Stupid. One is called Divorce is the Worst. And one is called Tell Me About Sex, Grandma. So it's <laughs> it's a much more like in-depth book than I think your average children's book about addressing something is. Because it's about like seeing your friends who are Black going through racism and experiencing that. And kind of grappling with like white guilt and it's not your fault, but you do benefit from being white. And I think it's going to be a really good book when he gets to be six, seven, eight. Hopefully we don't have to address divorce. <laughs> I, and I hopefully I can talk to him about sex. So I won't have to give him, let's talk about sex, grandma, but we'll see. <laughs> I'll check those out. Those sound really interesting. The author is Anastasia Higginbotham. What I think is interesting is that when you give a kid a resource like that, they start to ask questions. Like it's not just not like trying to brag or anything, but I think all kids have a natural curiosity about the world. And if they ask you something and you you teach them something and give them something, then they're going to want to know more. Or they'll, they'll ask a question that shows like how they're thinking about it. And like, you know, Benjamin has been reading those. He got a, a couple of the Ordinary People Change the World books for Christmas. Neil Armstrong, Jane Goodall, MLK, and Rosa Parks. And we've read them all to him many times. <laughs> As you know, little kids like to hear the stories over and over again. Oh, yeah. And they've, you know they've made him ask questions that like, how come more bad things happened to MLK and Rosa Parks and Neil Armstrong and Jane Goodall? And I was just blown away, like that he noticed that. And I said, that's what the civil rights movement was about. You know, they were, they were fighting for equality and to be treated fairly. Like, I didn't think I was going to be having this conversation at four, but he said something like, why were white people mean to black people or something like that? And I had, and I said, like, it's not just about being mean. It's the rules were unfair. They were trying to change the rules and the laws. And I'm like, wow, I'm having this discussion about like racism isn't a personal failure. It's also a systemic problem, you know, and trying to think about how to explain this in a way that a, that a small child can understand is it's not challenging, but it's, it's surprising, you know, what, what kids will start to ask when, when you give them a little bit and how they, how they start to think about these things. And, you know, obviously people they know their own kids but um i think you you might be surprised what what they're what they're ready for it's also and i know that this is not necessarily one of the topics you were planning on covering but like it's also interesting as a parent trying to counteract propaganda (laughs) because i mean it's everywhere just like cops are the good guys and they're there to protect you and you're like well not always not usually in a lot of cases and he's like but cops are the good guys and i'm like nope nope let's not think like that 
Um, and it's really hard to counteract that <laughs> and like in a way that's not going to get me in trouble with school. <laughs> and I don't have any good resources for that or like I can't I, I we don't watch Paw Patrol in this house. But that doesn't mean he's not going to come across it and talk about it at school. Yeah, I, I never did put find it on for him, but someone who's babysitting him did. And it's like, oof. <laughs> Although I have, I've finally caved to PJ Masks. Like that's that's fine. It's kind of they don't hit each other. There's no violence on that show. It's very cute, and he loves being Catboy. And like, I'm here for a boy that is also a cat. Let's be honest. <laughs> PJ Masks. I, I have a lot of questions about that show, which is mainly like, do Romeo and Luna Girl go to the same elementary school as them? I don't know. <laughs> that's my like biggest question. You're not giving any like backstory or origin story of the pj mass like you just mm -hmm. come into it in the middle and they're like hey we assume that you just accept that these are superheroes who fight crime at night i'm like when do they sleep do they have like do they just make it night when they need to fight crime i don't i don't understand the universe well i'm assuming that the episodes happen in real time so they're only out of the house for like 10 to 30 minutes or so and then they go to sleep at eight or something like that so <laughs> I don't understand the PJ Masks universe. I have a lot of, it's actually based on a French book. I did know that. I thought that was kind of neat. <laughs> yeah, and in the French book, they're all boys, but Disney made one of them a girl. Well, we got that going for us. Yeah. My husband argues that that uh, Gecko is, is non-binary. <laughs> it's possible. I mean, we'll have to see as they get old. Right. So, yeah, no, but, but the, the copaganda is interesting. And, like, I remember, I think what I said was something like, there's good cops and there's bad cops, and some of them do good things and some of them do bad things. I kind of thought that that was, like, an age-appropriate way to, to talk about it. But it's hard because he, not a lot of Paw Patrol, but he really likes Batman and Spider-Man. Mm -hmm. Batman's definitely a cop. And he's like, you're going to jail to his toys. I'm like, well, we don't really believe in jail here because we believe in restorative justice and rehabilitation. And he's like, I, I'm three. <laughs> a friend of mine actually asked me about that, who is kind of like a, like a liberal evangelical. And he was like, Liz, I want your opinion on something. Like, how do you talk about good guys and bad guys? Because I don't believe there are bad guys, but my son likes Batman. What do I do? <laughs> so, I said, so I said to him, I'm like, was well, not a bad person. It's that a person did something that, like an action that was bad, that harmed people. Like they're a bad guy because they did things that harmed people. And if they did things that helped people, they would be good. And it was like, oh, The only yeah. bad people are the ones who are unwilling to change. I think about like the concepts that like have traditionally been put on kids at certain ages and like what we're, what we're attempting as like social justice oriented parents, like, and you know, even my friend who's the, the evangelical and stuff. And like, like, I feel like every every parent teaches their kids their values. And I don't think that ours are that far off than, than things that, you know, I mean, there are kids that are five and six years old in Sunday school being told that if they put a foot out of line, they're going to be tortured in hell for all eternity. So that seems far worse than saying some cops do bad things and hurt people. Right. That's, that's so fair. It is sometimes nice to step back from what you are doing and be like, oh, okay, I'm fine first. Like, you don't have to get too much in your own head about what you're doing as a parent because... Mm -hmm. I mean, at worst, you're mediocre. <laughs> I mean, that's all you need, right? The good enough right. parent. Like, you, you know about that, right? Like, yeah. I don't know the, the guy's name, but there's a psychologist in the 60s who wrote a book that said, like, you just have to be good enough. Yeah. And the backlash was insane, but he's correct. <laughs> he's was, he 100% was correct. But um, about the, uh, the attempted coup at the, at the Capitol, I picked my son up from school and I wasn't going to put on the TV. 
because even if he, you know, wasn't in the house that day, I would not have put on the television. But I, you know, my husband and I were glued to our phones all day, and I just said something like, "There's some bad people doing some bad things, and it's scary, but you're okay, and you're you're safe, and we'll always protect you," or something like that. Because like, my mood was definitely off, and kids can tell. So I felt like I had to say say something. But for people with older kids, I'm not even sure. Like that reminds me of being in fifth grade and 9-11 happening mm-hmm. and my mom actually I think it was my grandma picked me and my brother who was three years younger than me up because they were afraid that I mean if the World Trade Center is going to be attacked then what happens like what's are our local elementary schools in suburban Georgia going to be attacked and I'm, I'm not going to say that the logic was was flawless or anything but like whatever you're it's 2001 and mm-hmm. weird things are happening so and my brother and I were like uh all right it didn't mean anything to us because I don't know we've grown up in a world that there's violence like that on tv and like the fact that it's on our soil is meaningless mm-hmm. <laughs> which maybe you feel differently as a New Yorker I grew up in Georgia so it was very very far away for me I was I was I was older I'm older than you I was in my just starting my sophomore year of college so it was very different oh and I was at yeah I was at, you know, a state school, so everyone had family in New York, so everybody was freaking out because they couldn't get to them. But, you know, the distance from New York City seemed much farther because all the cell lines went down. So, but when I was a kid, my parents really sheltered me from the news and they were real glad that I never got an elementary school teacher that gave kids the homework, watch the news tonight because they didn't think it was appropriate. Like they didn't want me to see like bad things that were happening. So like kids in school would joke about Waco and I had no idea what that was. And I only really started to be aware of current events when I was in about seventh grade. And that was actually my one year in Catholic school. And that that year, like a lot of bad shit happened, like um, Oklahoma City bombing and it was the OJ trial and it was the Colin Ferguson trial. And for those of you who don't remember Colin Ferguson, who's the guy that shot a bunch of people on the Long Island Railroad. So on Long Island, a lot of people knew people who died in that. So it was like a mass shooting event on a commuter train, which was awful. And so that stuff was in my my current events class at at school. And that's when I kind of, I think that was the first really, those are the first few really horrible things that I was kind of aware of as a kid. And I don't really remember how the adults talked about it. I remember them happening and, and, and being sad and people wearing ribbons and stuff like that. But, you know, there's, there's a world of difference between five and 10 and, 12 and 15 you know it's it's uh great and i mean i was i was eight when columbine happened and i was you know sort of aware of that um i mean we did shooter drills at school so like i i'm not going to say that 9-11 wasn't a massive tragedy for the united states but like Mm -hmm. as a almost 11 year old or yeah almost 11 year old it didn't have the same meaning to me that perhaps it would be at 16 18 so we haven't really addressed the insurrection with my three and a half year old, because how do you even do this? I don't think you have to. What we've sort of tried to address a little more, because it is close to home here in Columbus, we took him to some protests last summer, or some, yeah, some protests last summer. We had to leave because the cops were going to start macing people and were, you know, aware of that enough to leave with mm-hmm. our three-year-old before our three-year-old gets maced. But they've had to cancel a lot of events this weekend here in Columbus, specifically because of the threat of white supremacists attacking these events for MLK weekend. So we've had to address those more immediately than an insurrection in the Capitol. That's terrifying. Yeah, no, I have a friend who has contact with the feds and there's like the cities they're worried about are DC, Salt Lake City and Columbus. Mm-hmm. Well, I would, I would have thought also Portland, Oregon too, but 
Maybe. I think there was another city, like Pittsburgh, maybe. Mm-hmm. Just going back to what you said, when Columbine happened, I was in high school and I remember going home because I was in New York and, you know, it happened out West and like turning on the TV and like watching the shooting, but they had the kids like running out with their hands on their heads and everything else on, on CNN. And that was, I think, probably the the first time I watched something awful happen, like in real time, like the, you know, talk about the 24 hour news cycle and stuff like that. But it's hard, you know, like we said, it's a totally different thing when it's in your city and like something's canceled like because of that. We haven't taken him to any beyond stuff. We took him to like a families belong together thing when that was going on. And like, to me, I thought that was really important because it was like children's rights. Like a child should be at this, this protest, you know, but there's like lots of guides online for how to do that and, and stuff like that. And there are people that are organizing events and with the way things are, I can't even say everything's safe, but like trying to make things safer for families who want to show kids what demonstrating is about. Right. We were planning on taking them this weekend, but now the events are canceled. So, mm-hmm. yeah, we went to a few ice protests with, with him and the baby Bjorn. <laughs> yeah. My dad would take me with them to the uh, Labor Day parade when I was about eight or nine. So I definitely remember that, you know. My parents were not protesters. I did not do that as a child. Well, it was a parade. So no. like halfway in between. You know. <laughs> I, I don't think I ever went to any parades as a kid, weirdly enough. Were they not, not a thing in Georgia or... I mean, I'm sure they are, but, like, not in my part of Georgia. You know, funnily enough, and this is not related to anything at all, but I was looking at housing prices in the area I grew up, and I was like, oh, I cannot afford to move back to my uh, elementary school district and send my son to the elementary school I went to. Like, I cannot afford it. No. I will also add that, you know, talking to my friends and talking to other parents on Zoom has really been, like, a lifeline for me because... It's not like I can go to mommy and me groups. It's not like I can go to story time at the library anymore like I used to. And I will say, like, I've tweeted about this before, but, you know, the way that I had thought that I was going to make mom friends was awkward banter on the playground. And the way I actually have made mom friends in this year is by, like, leftist shit posting on Facebook and, like, on community pages. And I'm surprised at how effective a tactic that was. Like, (laughs) I've made three new mom friends just by leftist shit posting <laughs> Look yeah, no, I, I think the only people i've made like that have made uh new friends is has been on twitter yeah mm-hmm. just absolutely bonker shit just out into the universe and they're like oh i like this stuff and you're like cool me too i did do a series for work last summer that we called parenting during a pandemic i did it with one of the other parents on my staff they, she's now left and is doing other cool opposition research stuff but we talked with uh, Ohio legislators about paid family leave. We talked about um, what the hell going to school even looks like in the fall. Parenting doesn't stop in a pandemic. Uh, having children and getting pregnant doesn't stop in a abortion doesn't stop in a pandemic. Everything related to reproductive health care doesn't stop. So it's having to figure out how to navigate all of that in a pandemic is is unprecedented for a lot of folks. So we did our best to help navigate and help understand that, that I don't have any easy answers. Where can people find you online and find in- information about your yarn dyeing and also shit posting? So either way. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm everywhere. I'm ramen needles on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. If you want to find my what, like yarn page, ramen needles.com. All of my yarn is inspired by Ohio, by the weirdness of Ohio. I really love that one you did about the American Sign Museum. That was really cool. Thank you. 
the American Sign Museum also liked it. <laughs> they retweeted it and posted it on their Facebook page. Yeah, if you're ever in Ohio, it's it's definitely a museum worth it with visiting. It's in Cincinnati. It's very cool. It's very bright. Uh, I went with my in-laws and my husband last year. So definitely, if you've got to go do it, go check it out. <laughs> Once we get vaccinated, I'd love to take a road trip, but... I have so many weird places to take people in Ohio if they ever want to go. Like, you want to spend a day at a grocery store? I got you. No, 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 no. Jungle <laughs> Gems is an incredible what? grocery store. I spent like two or three hours in the international section alone. They have several aisles of international foods, which maybe to a New Yorker, that doesn't. They have a beef jerky section, a section of beef jerky. It's a massive grocery store. And Actually, I live in a very, you know, moderately dense moderate density uh, neighborhood in queens and residential neighborhood and grocery stores keep closing and i have no idea why our it's, most our closest grocery store just closed <sighs> it's like a nice middle class neighborhood there's tons of people here and grocery stores are closing and i i don't understand it capitalism is not efficient no it is not that <laughs> you can find me on twitter at miss cherry pie pi like the number pie thank you so much and see you next month You've been listening to the Feminist Coffee Hour podcast, tackling political rumors from the feminist outer boroughs of New York City. If you like our podcast, please support us at our Patreon, which you can find at www.patreon.com slash feministcoffeehour, or, you know, do a Google for Patreon and Feminist Coffee Hour. Our patrons get early releases of episodes, plus other cool perks at higher levels. If you can't support us financially, you can always give us a five-star rating on iTunes and write us a review as it helps the algorithm know we're there and that people like us, like you. Our intro and outro music is Making It Hard by Bridget Ellsworth, and you can find her music on SoundCloud.